Hello and welcome to Small Screen Stories. This is the daily show where I go over all the news in the world of entertainment and pop culture. My name is Edward Lauder. I'm the editor of Small Screen. And let's get right into today's news. And the very first thing that I want to talk about, excuse me, I forgot to mic my laptop. But the very, thing, the very first thing I want to talk about is Deadpool 3. So it's been revealed that Deadpool 3 is now officially in the works. So basically... It's happening at Disney. It's officially happening at Disney. And it's got new writers in the Molyneux sisters. So if you're not sure who they are, they're the people mainly behind Bob's Burgers, which was a really, really good show that I think it ran, I think it's ran for like nine seasons, I think. It won a bunch of Emmys. So these people, sorry, these people, these sisters um, are very, very talented individuals. But it's also... It's it's quite strange to me to think of Deadpool without the original writers, which is, um, I'm just trying to get their names up now, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, of course, they wrote the first two movies, which were very much kind of in, that was really their wheelhouse, Deadpool, they worked quite well alongside Ryan Reynolds, but it looks like Disney, and of course Ryan Reynolds as well, who was involved apparently in this decision, wanted to go another route, so they wanted some two different people they wanted some new bloods in the in the Deadpool 3 movie this of course this sorry of course this comes from Deadline and Deadline also reported that um, this movie is apparently going to be R-rated at least that's what they're working towards at the moment which would make it the first ever R-rated movie to be made by Disney well in the Marvel Cinematic Universe what I'm thinking is that they still are going to release this under the 20th century studio banner which i think would make far more sense than releasing it under the kind of marvel studios disney type thing i just think that's possibly the way they're going to go with these r-rated movies but they this film will still be a part of the mcu will very much be a part of the mcu will probably be well in in a kind of not subcategory but these kind of marvel movies that are r-rated so the next deadpool films possibly the next blade movie and who knows they might end up making an x-men um a wolverine film that might be r-rated or maybe even the x-men film might be a bit more kind of gruesome than what we what we're used to maybe even the fantastic four movie i don't think they're going to do that but i think there are going to be in the future more of these Marvel films that are more kind of adult for a lack of a better term. But I'm really excited for this Deadpool 3 movie because I I like the idea of the of of new people coming in, the Molyneux sisters coming in and and coming up with something new for the for the franchise which I did love the first two Deadpool films, but there is and there was the very strong possibility that this would end up getting very stale. So bringing in new blood, I think, is a very good idea for this sort of thing, for this movie especially. And I like the idea of these. Apparently, they were very impressed by their pitch. So they have been having meetings all month long with different writers, pitching their ideas for uh, Deadpool 3. And the Molyneux sisters' idea was the best one and the one they wanted to go with. And it looks like uh, we're going to get... Uh, a Ryan Reynolds um, Deadpool 3 movie in the MCU so as far as directors are concerned uh, apparently David Leach won't be directing it so he directed the second one but that the reason behind that is because he's actually fully booked until like 2021 possibly even further Uh, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate and um, they might want to bring in someone different mainly because of scheduling reasons but apparently the door is still open this is according to deadline the door is still open for him to come back and and direct this film but i'm pretty sure they'll go for someone different i think 
I quite like the idea of each Deadpool movie being directed by somebody different, um, and then the kind of through line will probably will basically just be Ryan Reynolds. Really, it's his. He's of course a producer on this film. But what do you guys think about this? Is this is Deadpool three something you're interested in? Are you excited to see what the Molyneux sisters can do with this uh, with this franchise that's now kind of changing slightly now that uh, the franchise is with with uh, Disney and Marvel, no longer with 20th Century Fox, of course, but I still think that the, an element of 20th Century Fox is still still going to be involved. I'm actually 100% sure about that, but it'll be 20th Century Studios. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to Predator. So it was a big weekend, for, especially for Deadline, that revealed all this stuff basically at once. So they also revealed that a Predator sequel is in the works with Cloverfield Lane director. So Cloverfield Lane's director is called uh, Dan uh, Trachenberg, Trachenberg, Trachenberg. Again, I, um, I butcher names all the time, but 10 Cloverfield Lane was a fantastic movie, just in its own right. By far, I think by far the best Cloverfield movie ever made. It was much smaller in scale. I think it's better than the original Cloverfield. Uh, I, I really love the kind of the bunker atmosphere and the, the, the enclosed vibe around it and it being set in the Cloverfield universe world, I think really, uh, sorry, in the Cloverfield universe really worked for that film. And then we've had like the, the rubbish that came after. I can't even remember the name of the film that they released on, on Netflix, the one after that, but that was terrible. And I really do, I still hold like Cloverfield is, has, a, has a special place in my heart. I still do love that movie. But there's something about that, that particular Cloverfield movie, that kind of Hitchcockian vibe almost. I, I was thinking when I watched it, I remember. And he hasn't actually done like any big, well, not big, but he hasn't done a movie since, I believe. I don't think he's actually done anything since like in, in, in the movie world for the for the big screen, let's say. <clears throat> I think he's done some stuff in the TV world. But this, this is something that I personally, and actually, I'm actually really excited for because I do love the Predator first movie, especially the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger film. The Shane Black film, which was the last one, was not good. It was kind of all over the place tonally, and it just, it, it didn't really, I thought it was going to be a heck of a lot better than it ended up being, which is really upsetting, because you watch you watch a film, well, you, you, when you first hear of that, you hear The Predator, as directed by Shane Black, who of course starred in the very first Predator movie, and you think, this is going to be great, and then, because I, I love most of what Shane Black's done. I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a fantastic film. I, th I actually really like Iron Man 3, which is his movie. And I also, um, what was that film that he did? The Nice Guys. I really like The Nice Guys. And and I like his writing on, I think he wrote Lethal Weapon. And, you know, he's someone that he has, he, he's done a lot of stuff in the past, but that film just was not good. And I think the Predator franchise is in a really kind of tricky place at the moment. Because it's now with Disney, after Disney acquired 20th Century Studios. But I think... 20th Century, sorry, Fox, and I think 20th Century Studios is going to be developing this film, but it still will be kind of Disney money and it's kind of them behind it. And I like the fact that they've gone with this kind of, he, I mean, he's proven Dan Trachenberg, again, I'm probably butchering that name, has proven himself to be a really good director, really solid director, and he, of course, wrote 10 Cloverfield Lane as well, uh, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did, but uh, I'll just check that just now. Um, and he obviously came in with a really interesting idea that they were really, really, well, really fascinated about and wanted to make. The, uh, at the moment, I'm looking into it, but there aren't... No, he didn't write it. Who, who wrote Ten Cloverfield Lane? Hmm, interesting. It was Josh Campbell. Uh, yeah. 
and a bunch of other people. So it was it was written by a couple of people, but you know he directed it very solidly. And he, yeah, again, he's someone. He's quite young. He's obviously got interesting ideas, and and I think that's exactly what the Predator franchise needs. Whether it needs Arnold Schwarzenegger coming back, I don't know. It, it, it would be quite interesting to see him come back. Apparently, he was going to come back in The Predator, but uh, the role was just too small that they wanted him to do. And so he said no in the end. And then they ended up with that really weird scene with the suit. Uh, there were apparently there were rumors that uh, Ellen Ripley was going was gonna to appear at the end of that movie as well, kind of tying in the Predator universe with the Alien universe, which, of course, we already saw in the Alien versus Predator films, <laughs> which... Um, I'm going to admit something that I probably shouldn't. I actually quite enjoyed those films. I think, which was the one that was directed? I think it was the first Alien vs. Predator film that was directed by Paul W. Anderson, wasn't it? Again, this is just lots of me looking stuff up, but <laughs> I think it was him. Is it Paul Anderson? There are so many Paul Andersons that... Paul W. S. Anderson. Yeah, it was him. And I actually quite enjoyed that film, even though I know I shouldn't. But it's the the Predator franchise is in need of new blood, and I and I like I like the idea of uh, Dan, Dan the Ten Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trattenberg. Trat, Trat, oh, I'm sorry, I can't say his name, but you know it's he's a he, again he's a very very talented director. He's someone that I'm really interested to see more from. It's kind of odd that he hasn't made a big kind of film since 10 Cloverfield Lane I would have assumed that that film would have really kind of catapulted him into (laughs) directorial stardom but no it seems as though he's been doing smaller smaller scale stuff which is fine as well that's fine it's not all about directing big blockbusters I was very keen on the idea of him directing a Star Wars movie but um no he's getting to direct a Predator film which is pretty cool as well that the one question I do I would kind of I have in the back of my mind is is this needed do and then the second one do people really want to see this because I as a Predator fan I'm I mean I, I would say yes I definitely want to see this but I know that I'm quite a small minority of people that really want more of these movies I actually also really love Predators with with um, Adrian Brody which I think is a really it's a severely underrated kind of just sci-fi horror movie in general I really like that film but I also am interested to know where they're going to go, what kind of story is going to be, who's going to be involved, what the cast will be. I just, I just want to know more about this film because, again, I have an undying love for Predator and for Alien. They're two of my favorite movies, the first two, first Predator and the first Alien movie. But um, I, I'm, I'm excited about this. And then moving on onto another franchise that I, I loved but has been ruined pretty yeah, has has been pretty badly ruined recently, and that is the Terminator franchise. Apparently, Robert Patrick is rumored to be returning to the uh, to the Terminator franchise. So he, of course, played uh, the T one thousand in James Cameron's Terminator Two Judgment Day, and the apparently the idea is he's sixty two years old now, and he's going to be returning as a new version of the T one thousand, probably a this a version aged just like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator did, but. This is really a franchise that is in dire, dire straits, especially after Terminator Dark Fate, which was fine. I liked Tim Miller. I, li- I liked the movie. I liked the fact that it was James Cameron coming back. and kind. Of, but it seems as though they just didn't get on on set. Uh, they, apparently they had lots of clashes on set, which is really not what you want. What you want is kind of a more harmonious atmosphere. It's, it's always good to be questioned and to question things, but it sounds 
reading some of the reports behind the scenes of what went on, it really sounded like it was a power struggle between Tim Tim Miller and and James Cameron, which is a shame because you're working alongside James Cameron. He's a produ- he was a producer on the film, the guy that made The Terminator and Terminator Two, two of the best kind of science fiction movies ever made. Like The Terminator is a really great kind of gritty sci-fi kind of horror almost picture and then terminator 2 brought that just catapulted it into the stratosphere as far as science fiction and even horror to a certain extent is concerned there are some kind of horrific elements and a lot lot of it is down to t1000 who was fantastic in that film a brilliant a brilliant terminator a brilliant kind of antagonist in that film and really really creepily portrayed by by robert patrick and again robert patrick's another actor he's done some stuff but he's not really ever he's not he's not ever got to the level of let's say on a schwarzenegger in hollywood you know and it's a shame because i think he's a really talented uh, talented actor and I'm, I'm excited to see him come back but i think this franchise is in um a pretty bad way it's of course it's still i think it's still at paramount and paramount haven't really give, done it justice i don't think there was terminator genesis or genocide or whatever that was that film was called which was just awful and um what was before that was the Terminator Salvation, which I thought was all right. Uh, I think the film is more famous for what went on, <laughs> what happened behind the scenes with Christian Bale having a go at, a, I think it was a DP that he was shouting at in that, you know, that, that famous uh, clip that came out, the audio tape that came out of him shouting at the DP. That was, that, but that film was fine. Terminator 3 was just all... Pfft was just not good and then terminator 2 was great and the first Terminator is fantastic but this this is what happens with these franchises but i i am i am interested to see what they do with the net if they are even going to make another terminator it this again it's a terminator project so it could be a tv show or it could be a movie it's not it doesn't seem to the, um, the i think it was from the we got this cover didn't really seem to know what it would be about but i'm excited to see him turn to turn up again Right, moving on from that and on to Five Nights at Freddy's. So the movie, it's actually quite a fascinating story, what's been going on with the Five Nights at, Five Nights at Freddy's movie. So back in, I think it was 2015, the film was going to be made by Warner Brothers and they had some like, Seth, I think Seth Gordon Green was involved at one point. And so the, but the, they just, it just kind of fell through. And then it was, kind of ended up at Blumhouse Pictures and Blumhouse Pictures are famous for making uh, really quite successful well very successful horror movies on a shoestring budget and it kind of seems like the perfect place for um, Five Nights at Freddy's movie and the game's creator is a guy called Scott Cawthon (laughs) again I'm terrible at names but Cawthon I think is how you pronounce that but it sounds to me like what I mean, which is completely under, understandable. He's very, very protective of this. And he's very much involved in everything that's going on. So he posted a long, long thread on Reddit. Uh, and it was actually titled Some Bad News for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. And basically, he went through um, all of the potential scripts for the film. And then explained why they didn't go with that. And what the verdict was on those. And why they basically it's really fascinating you should read the the thread and then he ended up revealing at the end that they went for a script that's titled mike so he gave different titles different names for each script 
and that, that that's the script they're going for and he revealed that they're going to start production in 2021 so I'm a bit as far as the Five Nights at Freddy's movie is concerned I'm a bit dubious about this because it's been going on since 2015 and we still haven't seen it made but apparently uh, everything seems to be working pretty pretty well between Cawthon um, and Blumhouse I think that might have been the issue with Warner Brothers I think he might there were, at some point Christopher Columbus was attached to direct this movie which to me sounds insane like Christopher Columbus directing but it might be a good fit I don't know I, I still it's not particularly clear whether he's still attached to direct I'd imagine not if it's at Blumhouse but it's it's got a move it's, it's got a it's got a script the script's been written and they're starting production in 2021. This is, a, again, according to the game's creator. I think, I think it's, an interesting, it's an interesting concept. The, I've played the Five Nights, I think I played the first one. It was all over YouTube and Twitch for, for quite a while. Lots of people playing that game. And it's, it's a fascinating concept. But the problem is, is translating it to, uh, into a movie, making it into a movie, is not... It's, it's just the idea is not easy. It's like anima, animatronic dolls coming to life. It, I think it really would translate well, but the script has to be really good. The idea has to be solid. And I think that's really what they've been working on and what they've been trying to get right. So they're trying to kind of start off on the right foot with the... They don't want to just make the movie for the sake of making it. And that's that's something that I really do... Uh, I do respect that. And I think that's really important Let's just say I am mildly optimistic about this film. I, I like Blumhouse. I like what Blumhouse does. Uh, I like the game. I like the idea. And I think it could make a really good kind of pretty freaky horror film. Like there's an, there's an element, I think a lot of people will be very interested in this. I think it'd be far better than that um, Slender Man movie that we got that was just dreadful. <laughs> It was terrible, but I, I actually think there's there's a lot there's a lot to be optimistic about as far as the Five Nights at Freddy movie is concerned. But what do you guys think? Let me know in the comments below. Right. So moving on to Justice League, and it was reported by uh, friends of Small Screen Geekosity, so Mikey Sutton over at Geekosity. He reported that uh, HBO Max and AT&T are very interested in making Zack Snyder's Justice League a trilogy. So this would mean that after uh, the, the, his cut, uh, Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League comes, uh, comes out on HBO Max, he would then get to do two more movies. But they wouldn't be movies, according to Mikey Sutton, they'd be kind of almost like Game of Thrones type event shows. They'd be miniseries. So this is something to me that I, I'm I'm fascinated to see this Justice League film because I'm I'm so, I'm an advocate. I, I really do want to see what the I, I like seeing directors kind of get to put their initial visions on the big screen or on the small screen or where, wherever it is. I I really am not I'm not a huge fan of of studio interference i do understand that sometimes it's necessary often studios do know best and it is their money and they are paying for this so they are well within their rights to mess around with the movie as much as they want until they get the product that they think will make the most money or will be the best reviewed or that you know all those re that that's that's fine however as far as um suicide i'm sorry not suicide squad as far as zack snyder's justice league's concerned that was just that was people going just taking a step too far 
uh, with that movie and with what happened behind the scenes with what Warner Brothers people within Warner Brothers got up to and just in general what happened to Zack Snyder because the film we ended up getting was dreadful it's it's not a case of oh the film came out it was fine let's move on no the film that came out was awful genuinely awful I think I will say this time and time again I genuinely think I remember watching that film Justice League and thinking this is probably one of the worst comic book movies I've ever watched and I've watched a lot of very bad comic book movies but often there's something within those movies that kind of makes it worthwhile but I just felt there was nothing absolutely nothing in Justice League that in Joss Whedon's Justice League that made it worthwhile and that's why I was really really like one of the things I've always loved about Zack Snyder's films is they're really visually arresting they're brilliant to look at and there there are interesting themes and interesting ideas in those films I might not love all of them but I think there's always something very worthwhile in every single one of the movies he's made even Sucker Punch you know, even Sucker Punch, I'm like, okay, there, there's a kernel of a really fascinating idea here. It's just a bit botched, which is a shame. But I actually genuinely think he made one of the one of the better like Superman movies made in a long time in um, Man of Steel. I thought that was actually quite, I really enjoyed it. I thought Henry Cavill was great as Superman. I really liked the way it was shot. I really liked, I, I kind of liked everything about that film, to be honest. And I even liked a lot of Batman versus Superman. I thought, you know what? It's it's too long. I thought to to watch in a in a cinema. Uh, there are issues with it. There are some bits that I don't think are that well thought out. But you could see it was made by someone who was very passionate about it. It, it looked incredible. And I watched. I've watched it a couple of times now. Now I haven't watched a lot of comic book movies multiple times. So I tend if it, if it's. I mean, I can. For instance, I, I can safely say I'm never, ever going to watch X-Men Apocalypse again. I'm never going to watch X-Men Dark Phoenix again. I know that a lot of X-Men films I just I just announced, I just said that I'm never going to watch X-Men 3 again. Um, they're films I'm, never, I'm just never, ever going to watch again because there's nothing really special or interesting about those films. I'm never going to watch Joss Whedon's Justice League again. That's another one I'm never going to watch. What I'm going to watch is Zack Snyder's Justice League. But according to um, Mikey Sutton, uh, Warner Media and HBO Max and AT, uh, specifically, I think AT and T and HBO Max are very interested in making this a, a a trilogy of miniseries. Let's say, which makes sense because HBO Max really needs something to bring in audiences, and I think that that to them is is something that they they, they can do and they can go pretty fast on. And it seems to me, even though Zack Snyder said in in the, uh, one of the many interviews he's done recently that he's that he's kind of fine with where he is after Justice League and he can leave it be, but I'm pretty sure he's got a lot of other stuff that he wants to do that he would very much jump at the chance of doing if it's offered to him. And it sounds to me like they are pretty much on board with his vision and giving him the the, the chance to make these films for an HBO Max audience it would work well for their streaming service it's something their streaming service needs more subscribers it needs more content it's already got a lot of good stuff on there but it it, it you know it needs something that is akin to like a Stranger Things or like even like I'm just thinking of mainly Netflix things but think like original content that comes out that everybody will just sit and watch and I think 
uh, it seems to me as though at the moment Justice League is what they're looking at. But what do you guys think about this? Is this something that you're interested in? Are you interested in seeing three Justice League movies from Zack Snyder? Let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on from that and on to actually our exclusive of of the day. And uh, this is something that I've been very, very excited about for quite some time. And I've just been desperate to get the article up there. And that's this. That's that um, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski are in talks with Marvel um, to star in an MCU Fantastic Four movie. So I'll go down to, um, to the quote. So again, this is something that I always... I always ask my sources if they're okay being direct quoted and if they are, brilliant. If they're not, that's fine. I won't direct quote them, but I will kind of give a little gist of what they've what they've told me. But no, these two guys were fine with it. And basically they said, so the first guy said, Marvel Studios are in talks with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. They're up for the roles of Susan Storm and Reed Richards in the MCU. So then another source added that Krasinski and Blunt are both in discussions with Marvel Studios. This is to play the lead roles in a Fantastic Four movie, the MCU's first. Krasinski is up for Reed Richards and Blunt is up for Susan Storm. So, this is something that uh, fans have been fan casting for quite some time now. And actually, even both um, Krasinski and Blunt have kind of been fueling the flames a bit. Uh, so, Krasinski was asked about this during an, in an interview with Hype, and he'd say, "I'd love to do it. I think I'd be a part. I, um, <clears throat> I think to be a part of the Marvel world would be amazing, anyway. And the fact that people would even consider me for that level of a part would be amazing." Uh, then he went on to say, "I generally have had no conversations uh, or don't know anything that's happening with that. I'm awaiting Kevin's announcement of what the hell's happening with that as much as you are." But this was back. This interview, I think, was back in like 2018. Uh, it was with hype, so it was March. Two I think it's two thousand. Oh, it's two thousand nineteen. So March two thousand nineteen. So still, you know, quite a way, quite a way back. But this is this is something that has been kind of going on in the background for quite some time. And according according to my sources, it, it sounds like Kevin Feige is very keen on getting them in particular, not only because they're perfect for the role but also because of their own story and he thinks as far as my sources are concerned he thinks it would be a great great fit for the movie they want to make now i have asked um my i have asked my sources whether krasinski would be also into direct the film but they haven't got back to me on that one but now is this me speculating this is something that i think is a no-brainer uh, i've already you i mean we've all seen well possibly but most people have a lot of people have seen a quiet place and a quiet place was of course um well part of it was written as well by john krasinski but he directed it and starred in it and it's just fantastic and he also did that with his wife with emily blunt and they worked really well together on screen now of course uh, a quiet place part two was supposed to come out well this year early this year but that i think it was in march it was supposed to come out so that was when he did that that interview but it didn't because of coronavirus and it's been pushed to 2021. But all, as far as what I'm hearing, is that it's really good. And that it just proves again that Krasinski is a very, very, like, very talented director and someone that sh really should be looked at for future movies and future big... I mean, The a Quiet Place made a lot of money, so it, it's already kind of like... A, he's already directing like a tentpole movie, basically. But 
he's shown that he's able to direct these films he's able to star in them he's him and emily blunt work very well together and they seem to like working together why not make him why not give him the fantastic four why not why not just give him that one of the reasons might be because it's something that marvel really wants to get right so they might they might give it to who someone they consider to be a safer pair of hands but then again i'm i think krasinski is as safe as anybody to to hand that that franchise to um it, it it would be it would be well actually no not technically but it it, it would be slightly difficult to uh, direct and star in a marvel movie but then again john favreau did it he didn't quite star in it but he was in the iron man films and he did direct the first two so it's not it's it's not something that hasn't been done in the past let's just say that and it as as far as i'm concerned i think they should go with it i think this is the way they should take the film i think they should give them the franchise and i think it would be really really fascinating and of course both emily blunt and john krasinski have quite an interesting uh, history with Marvel Studios. So John Krasinski was, of course, um, almost cast as Captain America. Well, at least he got to the, uh, the he, he got to actually try on the suit, and I think he did audition with the suit on. Uh, Emily Blunt was up for the role of uh, Black Widow, which eventually went to Scarlett Johansson, and she was very, very close to being cast. So they've been kind of in and around the whole Marvel family, and they're very, of course, they're very big names. And bringing the two of them into a Fantastic Four movie, I think, would really help just sell the movie, really. Uh, imagine, like, hopefully, if this film were to come out, what, in 2023, let's say. Uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine like, them promoting the film. It would just be perfect. It would be, you know, the a real-life married couple promoting a film about, which involves a married well well probably will be towards the end of the movie married if they, it depends what story they go they decide to go down whether they start off with reed, reed richards and susan storm already being married or not it, it depends what story they'd go with i think it'd be quite interesting for them to do that i think it would actually make a lot of sense just to go right in that direction have them be a married couple from from the off but it's something that i'm really really excited about i think fantastic four is going to be a really pivotal uh film for marvel i'm also hearing that uh i'm, I'm hearing well this again will tie on to an article that will probably come out later next week but i'll give you a little uh, a teaser as it stands i'm hearing that uh, dan stevens is also uh casting for a role in fantastic four so it seems as though they're really going all guns blazing with this movie which makes sense because it's now back with marvel studios and it's probably the biggest marvel comic ever it's one it was stan lee's favorite i believe a part one it was it was one that he was very much invested in along with spider-man it was very much his thing and now that it's back in the mcu i think it's about time that they get it that they make a genuinely good fantastic four film we've got a lot of bad ones they've all been bad <laughs> there hasn't been a single good fantastic four film which is really upsetting because it's you know they're the original marvel family they're they're really important characters as far as the marvel comics are concerned and it's something that needs to be done properly it needs to be done justice which is probably why they're taking their time with it and again there's also the fact that they basically made reed richards in the comics look like john krasinski so i think this is something that's been going on for quite some time and i think they're just kind of working out the final clauses in the contract and getting their lawyers to look over everything i'm pretty sure 
this will be a done deal within the month before Christmas. I think this will, this will all be done and you'll, you'll hear more about it. But let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. Right, moving on from that uh, and moving on to Black Panther news. So there's been quite a lot of Black Panther news. So the, the very first bit I'll go over is that uh, this is again comes from Geekosity. So Mikey Sutton's scoop here is that according, it seems like uh, Black Panther 2 will actually see Shuri play the Black Panther or let, let's let's like just break this down a bit. So this basic that there <laughs> Mikey Sutter it is his scoop but it does come from the Hollywood Reporter and within the Hollywood Reporter they were talking about how the film is going to start shooting in July which is so July 2021. So this means that basically Marvel knows what they're going to be doing as far as Black Panther is concerned. Of course, very, very sadly, tragically, Chadwick Boseman passed away. And now this film is in the kind of bizarre position, it's a horrible position, where it has to decide what to do with the character. Because it, Black Panther moving forward was going to be the basic, the linchpin of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was going to be one of the biggest, already was one of the biggest characters in the MCU, but was going to become even bigger. Ryan Coogler had already written the script for Black Panther 2. They're all ready to go. And then that tragedy happened. And then they're kind of, it's all backs to the wall. What do we do now? The most obvious thing to do, especially as far as the fans are concerned, was to make Letitia Wright's Shuri the next Black Panther. But how do you do that? So there were all these rumors that they were going to bring in a CGI version of Chadwick Boseman and have go down that route. But that would just do a disservice to both Chadwick Boseman and the character and the fans would hate it. And then it was, I think, uh, the producer, I'm blanking on her name now, then came out and said that was never going to happen. They're not going to do that. One of the things they might end up doing is is basically just having uh, Chadwick Boseman's character die off screen, which would be quite brutal, to be honest. But it's just I don't I don't really want to go into all of that because I, I don't know I don't know what I'm going to be honest I don't know what they're going to do this is something I've been asking around and and no one's been able to tell me and it's also something that I think is it's really important which is why they're keeping it very 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 secret what they're doing but this uh, Hollywood Reporter article did specifically say that Letitia Wright was going to Letitia Wright's character may have a more prominent role in Black Panther two insinuating that she was going to take on the mantle that her brother had in the in the first movie again that that does make sense that makes more sense than recasting the role which i just don't think they could do i I really don't think they could do that because i think people always compare whoever comes in into that role to chadwick boseman and it just wouldn't it wouldn't work it wouldn't work for the actor that replaces him it wouldn't work for chadwick boseman for the memory of chadwick boseman in that role i think it'd be just too difficult it's it's not i know people have likened it to that but it's not like black panther is james bond in that sense it's just not the same it's you can't recast that role i just don't think i think it's also too soon and uh, i think just the the circumstances in which that would happen is just too it's all too sad, really. But according to, to Mikey Sutton, the idea is to actually have Shuri be the next Black Panther. There might be, I've heard a lot of people say this, 
there might actually be some sort of fight for the Black Panther, for the, the, the mantle of Black Panther, or it might be shared, which that, that might be quite interesting. But again, it starts, it, they, Marvel knows what they're doing with it. They wouldn't be starting production in, in July. They're actually shooting in July, not having sorted out that part of things, which is like the hardest thing to sort out. So it really does seem to me as though that that that's going to be the way they go forward and of course well of course this kind of leads me on to the next story involving black panther 2 which is apparently the villain could be white tiger so this comes again from geekosity and uh mikey sutton here is claiming that the actor that had just been cast so i'm going to butcher his name as well he's in narcos mexico tenuch huerta i tried uh he's brilliant in narcos mexico by the way you should watch that but uh, apparently the role that he's up for that he, or that he's been cast as is white tiger again i don't know anything about this this comes from geekosity i don't know uh this would be potentially be the uh casper cole version of the character so in the comics um T'Challa, he stole T'Challa's costume in one of the Black Panther comics and even made a deal with Kingmonger to acquire a synthetic version of the magical herbs that give Black Panther his power. That would work quite well in this film, I think, but there, I've heard other rumours that this is going to take place underwater. So as far as that's concerned, then this this scoop doesn't quite work because um, Black, uh, White Tiger has nothing to do <laughs> with water. Anyway, it's one of those things that's out there at the moment make of it what you will. I'm not 100% convinced on this, and I did say that in the article, but there's an element to that character, to the White Tiger character, which would make sense in Black Panther 2. But then again, we did kind of already see that that kind of story in the first Black Panther, so they might like to move it along a bit. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see until the film comes out. It's it's fun to speculate about these things, but again, I haven't been told anything about this. This is comes from Geekosity. They he has his own. Mikey Sutton has his own sources. They might be right. They might not. We're going to have to wait and see. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to <laughs> one of our favorite people, Amber Heard. So you probably know what's been going on with Amber Heard and the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard saga. But according to, uh, I think it's the website called The Geek House. Is that what it's called? Let me just check. The Geek Buzz. Sorry, it was The Geek something. But according to The Geek Buzz, Warner Brothers has placed a gag order on their actors, which means that they cannot discuss anything involving Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And of course, this is the actors under contract, so anyone involved in the DC Comics movies or the Fantastic Beasts franchise. And that makes sense because we recently saw um, Jude Law be asked about the whole Johnny Depp thing and he really skirted that. It sounded like he could not answer anything to do with Johnny Depp, which of course makes sense. Uh, it's something that they would they would kind of have to... I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that Warner Brothers kind of placed a gag order on their actors saying this is a no-no. It would also mean, it would also make sense as far as Mads Mikkelsen's concerned in his recent IGN interview where he basically said he hasn't, he hasn't heard from, from Warner Brothers about him potentially replacing Johnny Depp. He hasn't had the call. He's waiting for the call. He called them rumors. That's what he said. So it's the kind of thing that actors do all the time. They, you know, deflect until things are officially announced. But again, 
That was reported by Deadline, which is supposedly a very reputable outlet. So you'd hope it's true. Again, I still think that Mads Mikkelsen is, would be great casting as Grindelwald. But no, it seems as though people within the War- actors within the Warner Brothers kind of uh, family, let's say, the people that are contracted to Warner Brothers and making films with them, cannot talk about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. They're, they're doing damage control, let's just say that. And that, that makes sense. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. All right, moving on and moving on to Edward Norton. So Edward Norton is uh, rumored to be like full gun, like <laughs> full steam ahead on a potential Alita Battle Angel sequel. So this comes <laughs> from We Got This Covered. <coughs> and their sources is claiming, uh, they're claiming that Norton wants to honor his cameo from the first movie in return should the opportunity arise. So this comes after, I think it was Grace Randolph that first kind of uh, mentioned this that they are thinking of making either a, a prequel series or a movie at Dis- for Disney Plus of Alita Battle Angel and this is of course after Disney acquired the rights to 20th Century Fox they of course with that also got the rights to things like Alita, Alita Battle Angel that was a film that was directed by Robert Rodriguez and produced by James Cameron. It didn't do overly well at the box office, but it got a lot of fans. It's got so many fans. I myself am one of them. I do really love that film, and I would love to see a sequel. I think I would rather see a sequel than a prequel. I think it would make more sense to kind of see that story continue. But there is, of course, a prequel novel, which could then be uh, adapted into a series. And I think it would make sense for Disney to look at that and and look at that property, that IP, and kind of think we can do something with this. We can do something really fascinating, really good with this. It looks like Edward Norton's on board. So if Edward Norton's on board, he played Nova, and it was kind of an uncredited kind of cameo at the end of the movie where they revealed him to be the actual villain of the film. Basically, this this universe is Thanos, really. And I really, really like... I I would really like to see him kind of get get really... Get to really play around with that role and do more with it. He actually turned down a role in Avatar 2 to do that cameo. So it means that he obviously felt that there was something really fascinating behind that character. He don't he only, he only tends to do stuff if he's really interested in them. So there's that. I, I'm pretty sure that Disney's going to do something with this because, again, they, 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 they are doing the, um, the Percy Jackson series, which is another... Uh, IP that they got from their acquisition of Fox so they got all this IP that they don't have to license they don't you know they can just use it and a lot of it work would work well in a kind of Disney plus television series vibe and I think Elite Battle Angel is one of those things but what do you guys think about that let me know in the comments below right moving away from movies and onto TV stuff and I'm just going to go over some Mandalorian stuff so again, if you haven't watched the recent episode of The Mandalorian, then turn away now. There will be spoilers, but I have warned you, you can turn away now. So uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 Episode 5 is reportedly called The Jedi and will feature Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. So this is something that I actually reported a while back <clears throat> that it would that we would first see Ahsoka Tano in Episode 5 of The Mandalorian. That episode's being directed by Dave Filoni, so it makes sense that Dave Filoni be the person to bring Ahsoka Tano into live action. He was, of course, the one behind the character to begin with in the uh, in Star Wars The Clone Wars, and 
he introduced her into into the world, let's say, the character, and it kind of makes sense that he gets to bring her into live action as well. I am really excited for this. I think it's going to be a fantastic episode. It's going to be called The Jedi. It's directed by Dave Filoni. We're going to finally see Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano. I, for one, cannot wait. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Right, final bit of news, and that's that The Mandalorian Season 2, again, if you haven't watched it, I've, this is spoiling it, but if you haven't, if, uh, yeah, The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 4, featured um, the origins of Snoke. So, in in that episode, <clears throat> again, if you haven't watched it, this is this is spoiling everything for you, but in the episodes, they ended up in an Imperial lab, and in that Imperial lab, there are a bunch of tanks. And in one of those tanks, well, there was a very kind of Snoke-like creature in one of those tanks. Uh, you, you can go and check... Uh, actually, I'll, well, yeah, you can go and check the... Um, the Well, if you've watched it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. But I, w I do want to bring up a, an, a, the image for you guys here. So there it is. That's, that's, the, that's the creature there. And you can tell the head has a similar scarring to to Snoke in uh, in the Force Awakens and uh, uh, what's the second one called? Why am I blanking? The Last Jedi. <laughs> so, so yeah, that it looks like this we're going to be seeing the origins of Snoke in the Mandalorian. So basically, the uh, the Doctor that we saw that we met in the first in the first season. I'm blanking on his name now. Doctor Pershing's. Uh, you see a hologram of him basically explaining that they were uh, using the child's uh, blood because it had a high M count for blood transfusions. But as far as the experiment, but um, so far the experiment had failed because the body rejected the blood. And he also said that he, they didn't think they'd be able to find a better donor than the child, which is obviously why they're so adamant on getting their hands back on baby Yoda. He's got a very high... M count, which of course is referring to midi chlorians, and uh, that's something from the uh, the George Lucas prequel series, uh, well prequel movies, <clears throat> and yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the beginnings of Snoke, and uh, or at least Palpatine trying to make these clones. He of course is revealed in the in the the Rise of Skywalker that he himself is a, a clone as well, and he's got all these. <laughs> he's been making all these clones so i think it's going to lead into that and it's going to we're going to see the beginnings of of um the new order or the first order not the new order that's the band and i'm re i am actually quite excited to see this now i know that one of the things i do love about the mandalorian is it does kind of harken back more to the original trilogy but there are also elements of there are also elements of the prequel trilogies in there that the trilogy in there that I think is really fun to watch. And now it seems as though they're also going to be kind of basically showing us things that we ended up finding out in the Rise of Skywalker. And I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. I think it's kind of it's in that it's in that kind of hole anywhere. So anyway, so it's going to tie everything together. I am really loving this show. Uh, I. I you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Snoke in it if they bring back Andy Serkis to do the voice. That'd be quite cool. I know a lot of people might not like this because they didn't like the original, uh, well, 
the, the the sequel trilogy and I kind of understand why but personally as far as I'm concerned I really did love the first two movies uh, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi I was a bit meh on the last on the on the Rise of Skywalker but I did think it was good fun and I it seems to me as though you can't really do these without bringing back certain characters these Star Wars live action well this particular Star Wars live action show so it seems as though we're going to be getting Snoke eventually turn up somehow maybe in the mandalorian but what do you guys think about that let me know in the comments below and with that uh, i'm gonna say goodbye sorry for slamming on my desk right there uh you can follow small screen everywhere at small screen gb that's on facebook twitter and instagram if you like this video please subscribe that'd be wonderful you can give us a like that'd be great if you're watching on facebook you can like it and share it that'd be wonderful too if you'd rather listen to these in a podcast format which i do do <laughs> Uh, you can uh, get that on, on wherever you get your podcasts at Small Screen Stories. If you're listening on uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I don't think iTunes exists anymore. Um, you can, well, it does. You can, if you could give us five stars, that'd be really, really helpful. That really helped me out. You can follow me at EJ Lauder. And with that, all that, I'll say goodbye. Thank you very, very much for watching, guys. And I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.